0: Vaccines are rolling out, things are opening up, and soon we'll be once again boarding planes to get our asses into various game industry events around the world. But before the era of webinars is over, Iron Source has teamed up with Deconstructor of Fun to bring you Level Up 2021 in late June. It's a virtual game developer conference you just don't want to miss. You'll have five different tracks to choose from, exclusive gaming content, and a legit A-list roster of game industry experts. This is just a perfect way to level up your knowledge. Listen, there's a limited number of invites, so I suggest you register right now by following the link in the description of the podcast. I hope I see you at the Level Up 2021 in June. This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming is building the world's gaming community by helping game makers, developers and publishers to build, grow and monetize their games. They do do this by providing research-based insights, in-depth case studies, as well as wide variety of educational materials. A recent example of this is Games Marketing Insights for 2021, a report that has just been released and is available to download for free right now. Of course, Facebook Gaming also helps developers and publishers of all sizes to deploy powerful UA and monetization strategies through a range of innovative solutions designed for games marketers in every corner of the industry. Go to fb.gg forward dof for in-depth educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports, as well as great video content. We all know it mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppSlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppSlyer's latest product, the incrementality solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's incrementality solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, increman- with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their tests without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest that you head out to appsliers.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week in Games, episode one hundred and thirty-two. We got your hosts, Mister Eric Kress, Mister Eric Soyford, and Adam Telfer, as well as myself, Mishka Katkov. So, welcome, everybody. How's everybody's week started?
1: Good. I'm vaccinated.
0: <laughs> You're vaccinated. Congratulations.
1: Well, I got my first shot, so I'm good.
2: I get my second shot next Thursday. I'm uh, I'm excited to be. I'm gonna just. Carry around the pass and go dominoes. I'm in, yeah. right? No mask for me, motherfuckers.
1: Man, every uh, hey. single Zoom call now. Every single Zoom call is, oh, I got the second shot. Oh, I got this symptom. What symptom did you get? What shot did you get? Like, it's just for the first 15 minutes of every meeting, it's just about what symptoms yeah. people get.
0: You guys are so I mean, vac- in Europe. Nobody's getting vaccinated.
1: Yeah, well, that must be nice. But va-
3: vaccine <laughs> vaccine is old news to me. I got my second shot like six weeks ago. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it was, it was wow.
2: Crazy.
3: How did you qualify for that? All
0: right, let's not turn this into a Zoom meeting about the back of Let's talk about the news. So, we have three topics today. We got Metacore secures 150 million credit line from Supercell. Uh, we got Ubisoft revealing Tom Clancy's The Division game with Heartland. And finally, we are talking about Zynga buying ChartBoost to drive online ads uh, as reported in their quarterly revenue update. Um, so, so let's jump in into the updates because Adam gave us shit that we didn't get into news to like 15 minutes in the last episode. <laughs> so now let's just fucking crank it and, and put all the news and updates in front. So uh, a couple of updates on my side. Uh, Zynga pays small giant 240 million in second performance earnout. So as per term of their original acquisition, 80% of the finish, Developer was acquired for 560 million, with the remaining 20% to be purchased over the next three years based on performance. The first earnout payment in 2020 was worth 122 million, and the second just announced was that 240. So this means small giant acquisition price by now is 922 million dollars, and it's certainly breaking the one billion dollar unicorn mark inside 12 months. So big congrats to those guys. Also, I was looking at some of their numbers uh, from from Small Giant. They launched Combat Puzzle recently. I think Zynga announced that it's finally going global. Uh, Was it a month or a month and a half ago? So the game seems to be scaling nicely. And during the soft launch, they changed the theme more from like a traditional combat to uh, a zombie survivor theme. Uh, which seemed to be working, but then I started looking at the uh, the subgenre a little bit deeper, and I was looking what other games are currently scaling. And this one developer out of or publisher out of out of China, thirty seven games. So I don't know if people are sleeping on it, but their games, puzzles and survival, as well as puzzles and conquest, so very close to, to um, Zingas Empires and puzzles and puzzle combat, have been scaling really really nicely, and in fact the uh, the puzzles and survival so match um rpg puzzle game is currently on par to reaching the same numbers as empires and puzzles so according to Sensor tower that's almost 20 million a month in net revenues and uh, it will be interesting to see how well puzzle combat scales because there is a president of a puzzle rpg game with a zombie theme that is doing extremely nicely but nevertheless I mean, congrats to to the uh, to the fellas and and the folks at at Small Giant, uh, superb. Uh, I mean, one billion dollar acquisition is just amazing. So, so hope hope they can scale up their games and hope they can make new ones, and, um, and continue growing.
2: But again, just to put this in perspective, like when when before they were acquired, the stock was worth maybe three billion, and now the company's worth three billion. Now it's worth over eleven, maybe twelve billion. So. This money that they're actually throwing out there has actually improved their <laughs> their market cap. And that's the whole point of doing these acquisitions is to create you know synergies and and, and, and build value for shareholders. And, and it's even the billion dollar price point seems obscene. And across all their acquisitions, it seems obscene. Uh, but this one's definitely paid out very, very well. Was this their last payment? Or is this they have I mean, one, more. one more? One more. One more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and I mean and, and, and I wish Joseph Kim was here. God damn it, I miss him already. Right? But the fact is that all these expenses that they're giving these payouts are completely ignored by Wall Street as one time only. Right? So like when you actually value Zynga, they actually <laughs> remove the two of the, these two payments out, um, which Joseph does not agree with. But uh, that's the way it's done on Wall Street. So you can't fight the man. So moving on.
3: Well, just one point, one point. Want to point on one thing is that the small giant payouts get a lot of attention but this was the exact same for graham as well this like the the deal was structured in this way which i think is is smart for everyone i mean if you've got a well you know a game that's performing well and zynga's giving you the latitude to continue to operate it pretty independently um you would want to get paid out like kind of on a forward you know basis uh, you know unless, unless they're willing to really just you know value your company um with a, a really incredible multiple so if, it feels like it's kind of a it's it's a it's just a re- it was a really smart way to structure these deals. And it worked out really well for everyone. Like, like Eric said, Zinga's stock price is at, what, ten fifty today. And it was at like three in the threes, um, kind of before they went on this acquisition spree.
1: Last week was a hell of a week for me. Um, yeah, it was like Christmas. Man, all the leaks from the Epic versus Apple. Yeah. Um, at least for me, all the cross-platform impact, all the retention by platform, which, you know, super interesting to dig into. Um, just like you guys reported on the podcast, like I couldn't believe PC and Switch on that table, right? I just feel like they almost like switched the rows in terms of Switch's retention versus yeah. PC retention. Um, also, the nine billion in revenue—I don't sure if you guys covered whoa, it. Whoa. But,
2: How about the uh, mobile
1: retention, dude?
2: Why? Yeah. Why? It doesn't
1: surprise just, me, but
2: no, no, no. It certainly does. No, actually, it does though because I don't know, dude. I, I was blown away because I. Again, that was like the poster child of mobile free-to-play and, and shooters is the Fortnite game before it got pulled off the store and at yeah. 2% retention at 120 I mean... Well, no I don't think you can that.
1: equate that retention to like COD Mobile or PUBG Mobile. Um, at least like Sensor Tower has it reported. At those games, PUBG Mobile and COD Mobile is higher retention than Fortnite. Well, was, well, what did Sensor Tower have for... I can't report that on the podcast, but they, they definitely have it higher.
2: Yeah, I I don't know. I this again. I said this last time, but this confirmed my whole idea or the the research that we did with Stan, where we basically interviewed people and they basically said we I play the mobile game until I cannot play something else because the mobile game sucks, right? I mean that's like anyway. I, I I'm hyperbolic okay. about it, but like anyway. Moving on. Um, it's just, it's, it just it shows that the, the viability of doing shooters is is is, is not you know.
1: Yeah, well, the, yeah. what it does is kind of puts up, like it shows the value of the heavy live ops that actually needs to happen in order to drive the retention up and pull players back after they've churned, right? So all of these like Cod Mobile, PUBG Mobile, they have to invest in significant live operations through cosmetics and events in order to pull players back and create those big spikes, right? Because those spikes are not necessarily captured in that thirty-day retention of cohort. I, I, okay, I see. That makes sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, the 9 billion in revenue also like every data source that we looked at during that period of time, 2018, 2019 was calling it more like two point five three billion, 3 billion, right? Like the multiple there in difference of, of what we assumed also that battle pass really is not the majority of the revenue. 26%. Yeah. Right. Like it just kind of, again, kind of confirms battle pass is not a monetization feature. It is a retention, retention feature mechanism, and right. of course, a conversion driver, but is not necessarily the major driver of the revenue. Actually, their direct purchase shop is, and there's significantly like better improvements that they could do that design. But I think everybody's yeah. assuming that the bypass right. can save their game. Not God, the I
2: wish way. you, I wish you were here last week. I hate to retread this stuff, but okay. So here's my thinking on this: is that yeah. if that, that that is crazy that it's only twenty six percent? But yeah. if they had a, 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 a um, uh, loot boxes. Right, it'd be even more dramatically different, right? And they could monetize probably a lot more if if people's yeah. interests are buying a la carte or going after certain things. Yep. Dude, if the loot boxes—they would kill it, right? And so yep. again, in my view, loot boxes are the only way to scale a business like this. Um, if if it's small, right? Like for Fortnite, it's fine because that's you know they're huge. But if it's a smaller audience, like Mishka's and Joseph's game. <laughs> You better put loot boxes that motherfucker, or you're in trouble, right? But, <laughs> there's there's you know other means.
1: There's other means to pace cosmetics, right? Like if if the whole output of this is to make it so that the highest end skin that they have in the game takes you know on average a hundred dollars to to get to, right? Let's just say that. In order to do that, you don't have to just pace by luck, which is a loot box system. You can also pace by skill. You can also pace by time. So you could basically create a system where skins, you purchase the, say, starting level of it, but then you actually need to upgrade it, which can be boosted in order to reach that maximum level, or you're paying things like event tickets, like in our, um, uh, like in a, say like hearthstone type of model, where you're paying tickets to enter into a competition with that main reward being that high end skin. So all of a sudden you've created very similar systems where you can actually create a lot more, say higher cost per cosmetic item. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I- I'm just saying that everyone that had a shooter in development is basically completely retooling their engine, uh, their uh, models right now because <laughs> that Wait, kind of it, number
1: for Battle Pass. Right there, just like completely flabbergasted. Just...
2: It is, it's <laughs> so bad. It's so, so bad, right? I mean, I bet, I bet 80% of their revenue was coming from Battle Passes. Anybody that was doing models like this and now yeah. they have to like, yeah, anyway. I, I, was uh, actually other, other point, I was surprised at how low it was. I thought it would be at least I agree. I thought it'd be I like agree. 50%. I thought it'd be 50%. That would make I thought sense it
1: too. to Because when you look at Dota, um, during their times that they have their eSports competitions, um, actually a lot more revenue comes from tier skips. But the fact that Fortnite is kind of capped it at 100 tiers and mm. doing a lot more earnable sources there, they just don't see the battle pass as the major source of revenue. Versus Dota has uh, infinite tiers. and makes a whole competition out of buying tiers. right? um they they get a lot more revenue from those tier skips but anyway sorry sorry um adam
3: Adam, do you think that would 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 that have been more like heavily scrutinized by you know any sort of like regulatory authority if if Fortnite put uh loot boxes in because i feel like you're just inviting you're inviting regulatory intervention there with a game that big that skews that young versus Mm -hmm. like versus like fifa or something
1: yeah of course yeah absolutely uh, you get more regulatory pressure. That's why you probably end up having to design a different system. That's why I think things like event tickets could actually be a better system. Um, also, the revenue from iOS players, more than half of it, if they started on iOS, came from other platforms, mm. which is, you know, a pretty big um, proponent for cross platform. Um, also, yeah. the craziness gateway of the drug, situation. Dude. Yeah, gateway. Um, I don't know if you got, if you guys saw some of these emails, right? Um, like Roblox the, the reason it was rejected for having mini games, right. It appealed to the app review board said, you know, uh, we'd, we'd like to add Roblox to the thing. We'll make sure that we're, every time we submit, um, those that's when new games are added, there's no way that we would send this stuff online. Um, and nobody on the board replied to the email. So Roblox got greenlit. <laughs> that, that, that's how that entire business blew up was just Apple forgot to email there. And then Big Fish, why Big Fish was rejected. There's that whole email chain. I don't know if you guys saw that, right? Like, clearly said, we don't allow app stores inside of the app stores, right? Apple was trying to push themselves to say, like, let's make this publicly as a statement, very clear rule, no app stores inside of the app store. And then the response from Philip Shoemaker, well, no, we don't need to call that out publicly because it's chicken shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, wow, okay, great to go read a bunch of these emails. And also... Small bit of news there. So we were talking about Rocket League and the mobile version that they were coming out with, which was like a whole different mobile game, uh, which I had a lot of issues with. But it looked like now it's actually been leaked. Rocket League is going to be coming out with full cross-platform support and will release release later on this year, which is great. Um, So I'm really glad that they figured this out and they're going to expand. Wait, a new SKU or the same SKU? They're just... So it will be a cross-platform Rocket League. So you will be able to play Rocket League as Rocket League on iOS and Android. Didn't we see a game that wasn't that? Or yeah. w- so There's okay. that game, and now there's another skew, which is... Oh, I see.
2: But we, I is, thought we all agreed probably. that there's no way you could control that shit on an iPhone, right?
1: I didn't agree with that. Oh. <laughs> you, you agreed with that. <laughs> I agree I, with I myself. Believe, yeah, I, agree okay. I believe cross-platform, even from these numbers, right, can still deliver, as we saw, of roughly 6% incremental revenue boost to an already scaled service, which mm. for Rocket League will still be substantial revenue and probably do better than the offshoot mobile game. Anyways, those are my takeaways. Eric?
2: Oh, sorry. Um, I, quick updates. I don't like doing updates for some reason, but but I was not the only one like scratching my head about this move from Activision by removing Byron, a 20 year veteran and putting in a 12 month old noob to control one of the largest IPs in the planet, right? On gaming. Uh, I, I had some talk with some XM, X Activision people, and they're just all like scratching their heads, like "What is going on? This makes no sense." So, I, I still would love to hear any more feedback on that out there. Um, I just, I, I also want to like just quickly kind of rant about this. This uh, the stocks right now are just getting absolutely annihilated. So all these companies, the you know the SPACs and the things that. Basically misrepresented revenue like Unity and AppLovin et cetera. um, Skills they're just getting freaking destroyed. So Skills is down seventy percent from its high. Unity is down fifty percent and going lower. AppLovin is down thirty three percent for the IPO price. CD Projekt, they're down like sixty seven percent and falling. Um, While companies like EA, Activision, Nintendo, Roblox, Zynga are all getting hit a little bit, but they're only down slightly from their all time highs. So anyway. These speculative stocks that really kind of misrepresent represent revenue and 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 misrepresent their business, generally speaking, and sell something that they can't really achieve are likely ultimately going to get punished because all it, it always comes down to fundamentals, right? And so if they don't grow the way they expect, the point here is that these high-flying stocks really need uh, are, are gonna come back down to life and 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 a lot of them are not gonna realize their expectations of growth. Uh, because again, they misrepresented what 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 their business really is, and so and again, this should happen with IronSource and AppLovin and 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 the rest as well. Because the twenty times multiple for these type of companies, this revenue multiple just doesn't make sense uh, on the fundamentals. So we will we'll see how this continues, um, and uh, you know, buckle up
3: because <laughs>
2: tech's <But> getting hurt.
3: <laughs> Ro- Roblox reported yesterday, and they're up ten percent today, but they, no, they but had incredible earnings. I yeah no, Roblox is no, you were saying Roblox got hit a little bit, but they're actually up ten percent today. No, no,
2: no. I'm sorry. I meant to say that those companies, including roblox, are are, are relatively stable compared to these other stocks that are getting destroyed. yeah, so right. yeah Roblox is up because they have a real business, right? They're not they haven't misrepresented their business, right? They have they know exactly what they're everyone knows exactly what they're doing. They're not burying do. advertising in a services line right but but you you did
1: also give them a little bit of shit when they came out basically saying that their valuation is a lot higher than what they can actually deliver
2: no no okay i'll still i'll still agree with that but i also did say i think i hope i said that they have no problems getting to their numbers this year because they guided appropriately right so they're gonna they're gonna crush numbers this year because they guide it to like nine percent or five to ten percent growth or something like that's nothing like that. They could they could turn a dial and make that. It's more the long term growth prospects are, are I think more, far more risky
3: for these guys. One so. one thing I would point out is that uh, the advertising stocks are just down across the board. Like Pinterest is down thirty percent in a month. Uh, Krute, uh, sorry, the trade desk, which is a uh, ad exchange, has dropped I think twenty percent after earnings. So advertising is getting hit just generally. Yeah. Are,
1: and is that just a response to IDFA? And, and how is that stuff not already baked in?
3: No, I so first of all, I mean, I could talk about this for hours. I, I, don't, I don't think IDFA is baked in. I think, I think still it's it's not generally understood by analysts. And I think this is just a response to like kind of the pandemic ending, because there was a massive boost in engagement um, and just ad exposure during the pandemic and that's starting to cool off. Uh, I mean, we saw that in Facebook's last earnings were, were amazing. Right. Um, but that that's starting to end. Right. Because, you know, things are opening up. Eric's about to get his second shot. Uh, Miska might have a second shot by 2022. Uh, you know, I've I've, I've 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 been I've been vaccinated for months and enjoying life. Um, <laughs> but but that, that stuff I mean, that just that's that, that stuff was temp- temporary. Right. That was just a short term. That was a short term engagement boost.
1: Yeah, I'm just surprised some of that stuff hasn't been baked in. The people have not been expecting it, and now all of a no, sudden. I, I, I really talk dropping. to
3: investors all the
2: time. No one has a clue. Everything's been up and to the right, you know, <laughs> and they, and even if they understand it, positioning yourself when everything is going up for no reason, you know, um, is is really tough. But some of the smarter ones have been positioned and getting their asses handed them. But now they're 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 feeling better. <laughs> you know, short short unity at 170, dude. You know, I mean that—that's like a no-brainer.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, Let's talk about Chartboost.
3: Yeah. So, um, big news at Zingaland uh, last this week. Um, they in in their earnings, uh, they announced that they had acquired Chartboost for 250 million in cash. Some interesting kind of facts. Um, in their earnings, uh, they did Zynga did 123 million in advertising revenues in Q1, which was 18 percent of total revenues, and um, that was higher than in Q4, which was just 100, which was 117 million, and you know as you most likely know, Q4 tends to be the big boom quarter for for ads businesses. So um, they've been they've been growing that business line pretty significantly. Um, uh, BK said, "This is a quote: the combination of Chartboost's scale and ad tech capabilities with Zynga's high-quality games portfolio and first-party data will meaningfully enhance Zynga's competitive advantage in the mobile ecosystem." Um, and so, what I took away from that is, yeah, this is the this is the the content fortress play, right? Talking about first com- taking all this first-party data and sort of unifying it with this ad tech system, uh, they're building a, a content fortress. And, and if you're unfamiliar with that concept, I wrote a post about it a couple a couple of months ago called. Uh, well, you just, start, just search for Content Fortresses. But um, what's interesting here is that, you know, the, the price that they paid for Chart boost is kind of quixotically higher than what you would have imagined they would have paid pre-ATT, right? Because you think, well, ATT, iOS 14 is going to really hurt these businesses. But, you know, uh, Zynga paid an estimated uh, from Eiler's Kredit, uh Gaming 50 times EBIT multiple, multiple, um, with a high single-digit net revenue multiple, right? So that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a nice valuation for a, for a business like this, especially facing the headwinds of ATT. Well, why Well, why, why, why did they pay such a rich valuation? Well, because, you know, there's a race to acquire these ad tech companies now. You know, Digital Turbine bought up Ad Colony for uh, 400 million, um, you know, the, the, the sort of m the m um, and kind of cadence in, in ad tech has just heated up for this reason, a lot of consolidation, um, bringing you know content companies bringing these um, ad tech systems in house, and then just ad techs generally consolidating. Um, so you know, Chartboost is bringing seven hundred million MAUs to Zynga's network, which is you know one hundred sixty-four million. I don't know how how um, I don't know how to really interpret that. Given I'm not sure how they're going to operate this business. I don't think my sense is they probably don't focus on it um, as an ad network for for third parties. Um, for the long term, I mean, I think the business probably you know continues to operate as it as it does now for for a while. But my sense is that they really bought this as a strategic integration, right? And so then that starts to make sense of why they paid the multiple for it, because well, there's there aren't that many other you know pure play independent ad networks to buy, right? There was Sharpoost and there was really Tapjoy. That's it. Um, and now that Sharps got acquired, Tapjoy's price probably just went up. Um, and then there are a couple others, um, you know, Vungle, I guess, but Vungle's is way too big, right? You couldn't acquire it? So uh, you know, th- 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 there's just a lack of supply at this point um, and these companies started getting really expensive and i think looking at the multiple that Zynga paid for charpoo's that's kind of supported in thinking about just the supply drying up because ad colony sold for 400 at 1.5 billion monthly users right so charpoo's is about half um, or less than half and they got and they 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 got a valuation that was more than than uh, than than half of ad colonies. so um, i think you know this was a really uh, shrewd and you know highly strategic acquisition by Zynga, um, you know, in a, in a sort of long list of, of other such uh, shrewd and, and, and strategic acquisitions. I think a lot of other companies are going to start doing this. I, my sense is that pretty much every big gaming company is thinking about this right now. Um, now, whether they do a big, you know, high dollar acquisition or they just build this stuff internally, my sense is like, this is the prevailing strategy in mobile gaming right now, especially for bigger, uh, bigger companies like Zynga that operate a portfolio, is to bring this ad tech in-house to manage this, uh, manage identity in-house um, and to sort of operate the portfolio on top of this, um, on top of this ad tech. And one thing that I, I guess I wasn't cognizant of is that Zynga's portfolio is more than 30 games, right? So I think, you know, Zynga maybe historically had been thought of as like, with a, you know, as having like a pretty limited scope in terms of the portfolio, but now it's pretty broad. I mean, they've got Rolex, they've got Hyper Casual, they've got Empire and Puzzles, so they got, you know, sort of um, B&B, uh, you know, they've got Merge Dragons, they've got uh, the Social Casino, Business. I mean, they've got a pretty diverse portfolio, so they've got you know sort of a lot of a lot of the sort of content map is covered, and I think this, this bringing this ad tech in house really makes sense to help sort of like capitalize on that.
2: Uh, valuation aside, because uh, it seems so, they were bought for like two point five times revenue or something like that. Is that kind of the what the math comes out to be?
3: Well, yeah, but but net rep because they pay out you know revenue to publishers, right? So their revenue is kind of inflated based on. What they're serving, so the net, the net, it was high, high single digit multiple net revenue. So after they paid out, the publishers was high single digit. All
2: right, whatever. Yeah, all that's kind of irrelevant to me in some ways because they're just they're buying this as a strategy. And so my real question is, is I guess there's a bunch of questions like, what is it going to take in order for them to integrate this and create a system across their portfolio that can either replace or enhance the IDFA issues that they're that they're doing? Like what? do they have the capability of actually doing what this strategy suggests? This content fortress thing is starting to be a trigger, just saying, you know, and I know you created it, but like, is this a is this a viable strategy for all these different companies or is it just more of a pipe dream that, that they can actually try to replicate this type of targeting?
3: Well, so I don't, uh, you know, with respect to their ability to do this integration, that's a great question. I mean, th- this is gonna be a tough integration. Um, not only because it's just generally tough to integrate ad tech, but because of the way Zynga has, has, has been operating for the last few years, which is we acquire studios and we let them run independently. Right. Well, right. now, how do you go to those studios and say, hey, you know what? Um, you've been running totally independently and, and also congrats on the payouts. Um, but now you've got to plug into our centralized system and let us do cross promotion so that we can optimize kind of um, value at the portfolio level that's gonna be that's gonna be a difficult transition. So I yeah. mean, whether Zynga can pull that off, I have no idea. All
2: right, the other one is my, my rule of thumb has always been since my Kabam days, and maybe this has changed because, you know, I've been out of this for a while, is that cross promotion doesn't work unless it's the same genre, right? So like King's cross promotion really works, right? So like they cross promote all their puzzle games and sell to their existing audiences and make them play one, two or three puzzle games, right? But selling a 4x game on a puzzle game makes no sense, or you know, is is that changed, or is that like dynamic changed over the last like five years?
3: No, that's I mean that's still that's just a a fundamental truism. Um, but I think you know Zynga has like if you think about Zynga's you know 30 games portfolio, it's actually just a number. It's a number of mini portfolios, right? And so they could do cross promotion within their uh within their social casino they can do cross promotion probably from merge dragons to empire and puzzles um they've got these sort of you know genre specific sub portfolios of just a couple games that right. i think cross promotion would work really well within um and then i think hyper casual is just one giant sort of gravitational you know force that pulls users into the portfolio and then they can root them appropriately that way i think hyper casual my- can't yeah
2: but my assumption, and I was getting this from you. I think is that hyper casual is going to get destroyed by all of this. No, you think they, that still has a, a a position in the marketplace?
3: Well, it's going to get destroyed if you don't have the IDFA. But if Zynga has an identity system that you know emanates out of this Sharpus ad tech, then it, then it, they they get the benefit of that.
2: Yeah, but again, <laughs> like they have to integrate all their systems across all these different acquisitions. That's going to take years.
3: Well, yeah, right? uh, yeah, but I mean, a- any any big M and is hard. I mean, that, that of course you've always got that risk. I think if, assuming they do pull it off, I think, and that's obviously a big if, always. But if they can pull it off, this is going to be very strategically beneficial for them. Okay,
2: and finally, the biggest thing that I always come back to, and I've been because I've been in this business so freaking long, is that whenever you try to do something against your core strength, which is running studios and, and building games. It always fails, right? It, EA tried so many different things outside of their core expertise. And and this goes way back to the hardware days with 3DO, you know, like they like they didn't want anything to do with building hardware because they wanted to be platform agnostic, right? And and 3DO went out there and just failed miserably, right? But the fundamental thing here is that once you go against your what you're good at, like things start to fall apart because it's just people just can't get their head around this stuff you know and and i don't know if frank jabot i know frank jabot and 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 what's his name god damn it you know
1: BK. Ah, B- BK. No, BK.
2: yeah but those guys can fucking run a publishing organization and do acquisitions and be smart i don't have any faith that these guys can run an ad tech company like i just don't know i they don't have that expertise or that interest or that knowledge uh-huh. right that,
1: I'm assuming it's not them, right? I'm assuming it's a central <laughs> tech team that's attempting to like, to, to integrate I, this.
2: I understand that, but in terms yeah. of like dedicating their attention and understanding and 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 leadership in that direction, I think that's it, it's a very very challenging. I all I'm saying it's a very very challenging thing for an organization to change in that way. Um, yeah. And uh, anyway, I, I, I don't just, know
1: I, I'm with I'm with the smarter Eric this time. Um, I yeah. I think this is something that they've they've recognized early have started to invest it in to get the full value of, R- of Rolik and now the full value of chart Boost, they have to invest in this and it's worth it to them. Because if they can get to that point that they can actually build a strong network and shift players within it, it's a pretty significant competitive advantage. Yeah,
2: but right? I, I what I'm saying is getting from here
1: to there
2: is Herculean for this company. That's what I'm mm. trying to say. And it takes I would a say lot of it's, resources
1: it's Herculean for Blizzard to figure out how to do free to play, but I think Zynga I have more faith in Zynga in this Path than I do with, with companies like Blizzard, figuring out free to play in terms of but, like measuring up all of the Herculean problems in the games industry. Um, but uh, I have but, more faith in seeing but, on this,
2: but Seifert. So, like, you would agree though that the fact that they're not on the same publishing, you know, uh, accounts at Apple is, is going to be a challenge, right? They need to get on the same account, right, to take care of IDFV.
3: Is that still true? Well, no, this is what this is. So, the IDFV is kind of a red herring that it's so people assume like yeah we just we just every, publish all the games in the same account you get idea of v same you know now now we basically have identity well okay first of all there are conditions under which you may not transfer an app to another account right so if you i think if you've ever used um any of apple's cloud gaming services for a game if you've ever had those integrated you may not you can't transfer an app uh from one account to another so you've got to basically just republish it right which you know uh the other thing is Um, you know, existing, uh, active players, if you transfer them from one account to the next, they don't, their IDFV doesn't change. So it doesn't change to reflect the new IDFV under the new publisher account. It stays the same. So you basically lose the the identity for all the existing players anyway. Now, if you look at a a company like Peak, I imagine their DAU base is something like 60, 70% is more than a year old or something, or at least Mm -hmm. they're actively monetizing DAU base. And so well, they get no benefit from transferring, even if they can transfer that game from one account to the next, they get no benefit um, if it's only new users that have IDFBs that are consistent with the with the new publisher account. So, so that's oh, see, that's see, not I see, I see. really a, a viable mechanic. But the other <laughs> thing is like, well, this is what you this is what you do if that doesn't work. This is what you do to like replicate IDFA because all this data is first party. You can kind of stitch together this identity and know see, when this player is playing this game, and it's also the player that plays this game.
2: Yeah. Okay. I I, I guess you and I are we, our differences is, is in terms of faith in the or in the company as opposed to <laughs> the efficacy of, of the strategy,
3: right. I don't fall one way or the other there. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I don't know that many people that work at Zynga. I,
2: every, everybody I talk to that comes from Zynga that's talked about Zynga says their tech stack is just horrendous. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's yeah. like, that's like, I think the fundamental problem, but anyway, but let's you, move
1: on. But, but Eric, um, going back to your question about like proprietary versus leveraging this ad tech like what ad technology within Chartboost could actually be leveraged here really right? like i'm assuming they have no historical data from Chartboost that they can use right so what specifically about their system can help them target and drive higher conversion to cross promotion
3: well why do you think they can't use any historical data
1: oh, i don't know like can they use historical data i, I was assuming yeah. that's all associated with older ids that they can no longer link to any players
2: no, they, I think you, yeah, have I said how much I hate this business? I don't know if <laughs> I'm said
1: pretty sure we've heard that, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, all right, just saying.
3: Well, it's it's yeah, so but that's it's more about like Charpoost's ability to uh to sort of uh value users in an impression, right? So that all that hmm. this sort of identity needs to come from this the existing first party data that they have. Chart boost data probably doesn't add any value there, It's it's really like the pipes um and then you know I'm, I'm assuming in the short term they're also going to have like some kind of exclusivity agreement like Sharp boost gets exclusive access to sell zynga's inventory right um and so you know for that reason there's just immediate sort of synergies there that provide value but i think in the long term it's really just well we they need the pipes they need the the ability to sort of like dynamically decide who gets to see which ad and that's actually like a non-trivial amount of tech to build well they just acquired that which Boost.
1: Yeah, okay. And what do you think this could actually do to Zynga's future M&A strategy in terms of the types of games that it could be looking to acquire now if it could figure out this um, integrating ad tech into its central cross-promotion um, tech set? Well,
3: if, if I was at Zynga, what I would do is I would like put all the games on a whiteboard right, and try to find clusters um, mm. in terms of overlap. And then I would just look at, okay, where are the clusters weak? Right. Here's, here's a subgenre where we've got one game. Well, let's buy two or three games, right? That fit or like that cluster in with that game, like in terms of overlap of, of audience interest. And now we've got a now we've got a sub portfolio, and now we can sort of cross promote within that sub portfolio. And if you build enough of those, right, mm-hmm. th- you don't have to worry about cross promoting from forex to uh, social casino, right? Yeah. What you want to do is you want to cross promote within social casino or within Forex. So then just like sort of flesh out each of those subcultures and those uh, sub clusters, um, those subgenres, and cross promote there. That's, that's how I would approach, you know, kind of M&A on a go forward basis with this ad tech, which, which, you know, that allows you to really maintain people within your portfolio, have them come into the Zynga portfolio and, and keep them there through that gravitational force.
1: Because then I'm assuming they can get away from, say, only acquiring fully scaled up live services that are driving enough revenue to live services that are, say, smaller, but have a substantial enough player base that they can retain, that they can move around. So closer to like the, um, what was it, the, the parlor game, games that they, they acquired, like, what was it, three, four years ago? No, um,
3: Pe- Peaks, Peaks games no, or Mina catalog? Uh,
1: they, they even, what was it, like? I forget the name of the company, um, but it was even before peak. Oh, it was just, it was Har- like, Harban, Harban, Har- Harman. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like those types um, of games, like obviously can't, right. can't monetize on their own. Um, more like hyper casual games that now might take a pretty big revenue cut with IDFA on ad revenue, but then now could hopefully say retain in this, in this portfolio.
3: Yeah. And those, those companies are going to be on sale because they won't be able to scale up like they could have two to three years ago. Right. Exactly. Using paid UA.
1: So then do you wait for a fire sale or do you acquire now?
3: Well, I think the fire sale is starting to happen now.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I have a question. So what happens to the existing art boost clients? Because it was a profitable business, but now it's kind of like Zynga's cross promotion tool.
3: Well, I know, I think they're still going to operate it, you know, in that way. Um, it's going to take a long time to integrate it, um, you know, and, and they, you know, like I, my my sense is that they probably keep it running as an independent business, but clients just sort of slowly start to to migrate away. You know, similar to to you know how you might think about an MMP that suddenly got acquired. So you know, it, I, I think that'll that'll be sort of like a slow burn. Um, they'll operate as a standalone business, but what what they're really doing is integrating the tech. And and you know, Sharp's DSP is really performant. I mean, it's it, you know, it it it's kind of. I don't know, considered a second or third tier ad network, um, depending on how you see the market. But, you know, the DSP was, was, w- works really well like uh, on a publishing basis. So um, yeah, I imagine that, you know, they just sort of are the exclusive, uh, you know, seller of Zynga inventory. And then they, Zynga sort of integrates them into the, into, the, uh, into the tech stack. And then at some point they just sunset the DSP for third-party clients.
0: Do you think Zynga will acquire an attribution platform next?
3: No. I mean, there aren't, well, I, there was a rumor going around that they were kicking the tires on one, and I guess it didn't work out, uh, but there aren't really any to acquire. You know, there, there's AppsFlyer, you know, the, the bigger ones are, well, the big one left is, you know, AppsFlyer and Singular. I don't, singular would probably be quite expensive. AppsFlyer would be out of range for Zynga. Uh, there's Kochava, which I just don't see them selling, um, you know, and that's kind of it. And there's some other identity providers that are sort of like around the edges, like Branch is too big. Uh, Tengen, I don't know, maybe, um, but I don't know that they need to. I mean, if they they could replicate that probably in-house more easily than they could replicate like the sort of pipes that an ad
0: network brings. Fascinating. And the logic. All right, let's move on from ad tech to game tech. Or not game tech, just games. Uh, games and credit lines. So Metacore, uh, a finished developer, has secured 150 million credit line from Supercell. So, Um, The funding will support the studio's fast expansion following the successful release of its debut game, Merge Mansions, last year. The title has 800,000 daily active users, with Metacore having reached an annual revenue run rate of 45 million euros. Supercell has been supporting the studio from its inception with 25 million investment in September last year, following a 5 million investment in 2018. So, back in 2018, uh, Metacore shifted from uh, Apple Watch games. So, I think it was known previously as Everywhere Games, and then switched to sort of casual games. And this is kind of the first game that they released, and they hit the jackpot with Merge Mansion last year. So, This was initially meant to be just a small, you know, hashtag Finland update, you know, congratulations (laughs) and some money, you know, make it happen, make it rain. Uh, But but this turned into a longer conversation uh, because, well, first of all, we kind of covered it on the Deconstructor of Fun Slack channel. So there was a lot of different opinions thrown, Uh, but most importantly, on Nina Sullivan, who's the chief financial officer of Next Games, another Finnish publisher developer uh, that's actually public. So she, she created a little bit of a storm with her LinkedIn post following this, this announcement. And she, she marked her LinkedIn post, RIP Metacore. So uh, basically, her thesis was that to pay back the $150 million, they need the Metacore needs to generate a free cash flow of excess $750 million at a standard profitability of EBITDA between 15 to 20%. She says it's challenging because the top games have generated between 100 to 150 million till date. Um, merge Dragons, according to Sensor Tower, which is the uh, the largest game in the genre, has has been at around I think 500 million net, and the uh, merge merge. Um, Shit! All the games are merged something. So the this the, the following game merge magic will is is around hundred, and then ever merge from big fish is hundred and twenty or something like that. So they're significantly smaller than the uh, the original hit merge dragons. Anyway, she says that Metacore has to outwin the market to simply break even, and I'm quoting her: If hundred fifty million is used and the game grows to four hundred million at EBITDA of twenty percent, a profitable hundred million dollar business is defaulting on a 70 million in credit so uh, my take first of all as i said the market is getting extremely crowded Uh, there's not only the uh, the big games like merge dragons ever merge merge magic uh, but also somewhat some of the big games are not really growing and some of the uh, the big games like merge magic which is the follow-up zynga title has actually declined and is now at the same range with merge mansion uh, in addition to that, Applovin just announced that they're launching a, a merge game. I assume that will scale up really, really quickly, uh, like most of the games. And in addition to that, if you look at the startup scene, uh, literally every third startup. And in Finland, I would say three out of four startups are working on a merge game. So. I'm, you know, we're located here in in a startup center of Finland, I could just throw a fork out of the window and it will hit a merge developer in the head. So it's like, it's the most interesting genre for, for new companies. Um, And kind of like my biggest question was that why did they do the credit line versus direct acquisition? Like we've seen happening with, with Zing and small giant, for example, Uh, the question because Supercell to my knowledge owns majority of the company and, you know, Easiest way would be to just purchase the whole company and and basically, you know, have it run like a like an autonomous unit and grow in the same way as small giant and ground games grew as a part of Zynga. Uh, in a way, this credit creates a risk because, you know, what if they fail? What if they kind of bet the bank? Uh, and the, the genre changes so quickly, there's the ATT, there's so many new competitors coming in and they aren't able to grow as they were supposed to. Will Supercell then buy them at a bargain? And in the end, it wasn't uh, you know, a good deal. So a good point was raised in the chat and saying that raising a credit is to avoid dilution. Um, but at the same time, you have to kind of wonder: Does dilution matter when your strategic partner already owns majority of the of the voting? They, they,
2: they don't. They don't own the majority of this. They did a they small investment. Oh, I don't okay. think they own, they don't own a majority. So
0: all right, so they've done two investments, but they they might own a, a big piece. And, they, they, uh,
2: sorry they, sorry they did an investment and then they did a line of credit. So a small, much smaller line of credit, right? Which oh. is not, not equity based. Okay, so as then as far that's as I can tell,
0: significantly. Well, then then the uh, then dilution actually. Uh, is, is a good way to put it. So I'm, I'm just going to quote on an an Nina and, and give my personal opinion. So she had, ended her, her LinkedIn post kind of saying that the ones that lose out are the founders, assuming they are the owners in addition to Supercell. If you default, you get nothing. Even if the business is successful and healthy, the creditor owns your business. So uh, my kind of personal opinion is more <laughs> positive than this one because uh, what I consider, I think Supercell is a, is a smart acquire and a very fair one. I think what's going to happen is that that this credit will allow uh, Metacore to grow significantly. And that will, of course, increase the valuation of the company. And one option would be to acquire them early. And I'm sure they had a lot of offers for, for uh, 100 and 200 million valuation where the company would have been acquired, everybody would be happy. But then the game could have grown and will likely grow significantly and the company's value will be closer to that 1 billion where small giant is now. So I think uh, working with a company like Supercell, they're just helping them to grow the, the game and the company to that point where the acquisition will be much larger. I mean, they can afford whatever the size of the acquisition is. And through that, everybody's more happy and we got another billion dollar exit in Helsinki. So uh, that's my positive view of why they're doing this. but. Eric, tell me you're, you're more serious.
2: No, I, I think there's this is like a much to do about nothing type thing to me. Like it's a line of credit, right? They're just using it for UA. They don't have to fuck. It's not like they're giving them 150 million. This is a line of credit, right? And it's not equity based. As far as you can, I can tell, this is not like straight debt, you know? So maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but this seems like they're just giving them money to help scale their, their business and, and, and to the extent they can scale it profitably then they're fine. I don't know why she's all hot and bothered by this, to be honest. I don't know. Yeah, that, what do you think?
3: That's my I mean, I I know Anna, she's she's really smart. Um, and I respect her a lot, but I that's my sense too. It's this is the this is the exact same dynamic as like a pollen VC, right? Like they lend you money to use for UA yeah. on a rolling basis. Right. And so the thing is like without without knowing the payback windows here, um you know it's it's hard to comment, but this makes total sense. Like if you're just sort of on a rolling basis taking out money and paying it back, and I imagine their game probably pays cohorts back in like a month, two months, maybe three months. So it's like okay, well if you're taking this money out and it's just a very short-term loan because you're paying it right back in, your actual the sort of the, the amount of debt that you, you sort of uh, are are sort of has, is outstanding at any point in time, it's, it could be pretty low. Right, it's not like they're handing over 150 million, and there's all these sorts of like covenants and stuff on it. It's like, you know I'm taking almost like a credit card. I'm using it, and I'm paying it back as a cohort repay. Uh, right. So it seems like a, a really smart, non dilutive way to pay for UA.
2: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, dude. This is fucking brilliant, dude. Like the Metacore, forget the RIP, dude. These guys are gonna crush it because they're gonna basically increase the value of the company based on using money from someone from someone else, right? And, it, and I don't think with the ownership that they have, they have like a right to acquire either. Right. I think they probably could sell to anybody, you know? So I don't know about that. That's hard to say, but um, no, I, don't, I think she's a little bit wrong on this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, but, but it, it definitely an, an interesting and a bold take from a CFO of a public company uh, to react this way. I think she misunderstood, like, just like you guys said a little bit. And um but yeah, it's nice to read that kind of stuff on LinkedIn rather than the uh, the boring like congratulations, hundred fifty million. I like when it when it creates a get a little something. <laughs> yeah. All, All right. Awesome. <laughs> well, just one kind
3: of just to just to put a cap on this. So th- th- when when you read about these um, deals, right? Like you hear about these publishing companies that they, oh, I've, we're we're uh, we're launching like a two hundred million dollar UA fund. A lot of times that's kind of misrepresented, right? And it's, it goes to the same dynamic I was talking about first, like, or before, like, well, we'll over the course of a year or two years, we'll give you $50 million, but you've got to continue to pay it back as you realize that in revenue. So like, if I give you 10 million and you pay it back in six months, and then at that time I give you the same 10 million back, right? And then you pay that back in six months. Well, I've given you 20 million, right? But not really. It's the same 10 million. Um, and so that that's when you read these numbers. A lot of times, you have to kind of interpret them that way. It's just it's like well, we're going to have given you that much over time. But at any given point in time, your your balance of what you owe us is never going to be more than some you know much smaller fraction of that.
2: Yeah, like yeah, that's when I ever ever I read like a network or a tilting point press release, I always you have to like gotta dive in and like see really what they're talking about because they always misstate or overstate the number of money they have. For, uh that yeah, sort of
1: thing anyway. i really yeah. wonder what the payback window actually looks like and how fast they could redeploy here because obviously this genre is very very exciting clearly very very strong retention um if that payback window or at least 100 roas is pretty fast you know 150 million cut up and maybe 10 million redeploying that's it's going to see some pretty substantial growth will be really exciting yeah. to watch this game
2: yeah no well, I mean, that, that's not good for zynga dude not at all because that whole team is not competing or it can't be competitive at this level. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm I, looking at the numbers that you put up there, Mr. Mishka, like it's no bueno for Zynga. Look at me. I'm sounding like a Zynga bear right now, but I, <laughs> well, I didn't. I have, it. I have got off my like super bullish nature for the last four years on this, on Zynga, just, just saying, uh, I just think they have a lot of challenges ahead of them that I think, they are again, misrepresenting, right? Like what's the truth and what's what's reality of what they can actually accomplish with what they're doing, whether this content fortress shit is gonna happen for them. Anyway, hey, 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 content fortress not. is fine. All right, yeah.
0: let's move
1: on. I no,
2: I, 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 I'm not saying it's not fine. I'm saying that executing a content fortress is far more difficult than I think what people are kind of alluding to. It's like a plug okay, but... and play ad, ad, ad network with all these different like independent well, wait, let's, teams. Let's
1: tear up some buzzwords, right? metaverse flywheel content fortress right like sorry i'm, right, I'm doing right. i'm doing the well, actions so, uh, here but metaverse wait, wait. absolute tippy top flywheel a little bit lower but content fortress, no, no, substantially no, no, no. Cloud, cloud gaming cloud okay, gaming okay.
3: and new zoo
2: <laughs> you know like that combination that, that that's the first one i'm just
3: kidding did, anyway. did you all see that the, there was an article on VentureBeat. it was like some company raised some amount of money to build a metaverse of nfts and i was just like bingo that's it, that's it. i got bingo all right
2: back to uh, reality they call um,
0: the flywheel the company
2: <laughs> all right so i picked this one because there was not a lot of news and i was actually really curious as to what adam thought about this so i thought it'd be a good thing to talk about so ubisoft announces that they're doing a free-to-play version of the division called heartland um they they wanted to make sure, like I think the first, literally the first sentence in the in the article or in the press release was about the fact that they're continuing to update Division Two uh, and that you know the Heartland, the free to play version, will not impact that at all, right? But they also um, announced that they're going to do a mobile version of the game as well. But again, details were really scarce. This is like I don't even know why you do these type of press releases, to be honest. But whatever, they throw it out there, right? So the Heartland will be a free to play for console, PC, and cloud platforms, Ugh. and then um, they did say that they want to do a 21 to 22 launch, which kind of implies uh, their fiscal yeah like next year, obviously. Um, so their next fiscal is kind of the way I look at it. So they 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 said that there are going to be new stories for their mobile adventure, and there's going to be a, a comics associated with this based on novels that are being made, <laughs> and there's just like all the lore is going to be developed within this universe through all these different ways. Um, And then they're going to do a film. Of course they're doing a fucking film. God, you, 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 Jake
1: stop. Hall, Jake, you, know, yeah, you cannot coming. throw a
2: press release with the Ubisoft without talking about <laughs> goddamn movies, dude. Like these French people think they can make movies. No. Have you ever seen a French movie? Anyway, all right, moving on. Um, So I think <laughs> here's my problem with this whole thing is I, I, I I understand what they're trying to do. Their biggest challenge as a company is they have one game that does over 10 million units. So they're trying to build franchises that can do over 10 million units, right? And that may, that will make them a better, pro- more profitable company, right, I get it, right? Um, but the problem, and I, I'm gonna start with the problem is that, of course, is that the audience for these looter shooters seem relatively fixed, you know, versus something like scalable, like shooters and action RPGs and, and things like that, that like have a much broader audience, right? So and the reason I say that is because division two literally sold 40% less than division one. And my my general thesis here is this is that people try looter shooters and they either love them or they hate them, right? And those people don't come back because it's the same fucking game, right? You know, or it is very similar game in in almost that, that way. So I don't know if this is a scalable business the way this is suggesting. Like, you know, increasing, you know, the, the appeal of it broadly is gonna bring a shit ton of more people into these types of games. Um and then the other thing is, like, if they're doing a free-to-play version, would it make sense for them to recreate the, use the existing assets and build some kind of city, you know, like Washington, D.C. or New York? Um, or would it make sense, which would be better, was to put in a new, new area? So what I'm saying is, like, it's very unlikely that they'll actually build a new universe for this particular game if it's a free-to-play because that would be very costly. And so that would be compelling maybe to appeal to a broader audience. So that's challenging. The novel and the movie shit is so fucking not worth the effort. I, I don't know why we keep talking about this bullshit. I I, I can't I, I I honestly cannot stand this. This is like the cross media strategy shit. You know I don't know all the different buzzwords that were out back then. None of that's been successful as far as I can say. I can see with the exception of The Witcher, which I think um, by its nature is actually and you know Game of Thrones like things like that like that makes sense to me. But I don't know doing this type of thing with Division. Although Division's a great story, but I don't know. Anyway. Is on the it, other hand what
1: no it's, i mean it's, it's, division it's, is not a great story it it's was a story terrible.
2: that you can make a stupid movie out of how about that
1: right of course yeah it's a uh, netflix
0: yeah. movie type of story
2: yeah yeah totally yeah and I, and I get that but that doesn't i don't think cross media and all this other stuff that does that doesn't work right I, I don't care what people talk about that's that you know that's a total like consulting thing like Bain and mckenzie writing you know these type of decks right okay On the other hand, I absolutely fucking love this game. I'm going to play this game day one. There's no doubt in my mind that people like me who love looter shooters are going to play this, right? Like, look, I get it, right? And I'm not going to watch the movie. I probably will watch the movie. What am I saying, right? I'm certainly not going to read the comics. But nonetheless, I will be in day one. Um, I think it is a great game. I think it's a great mechanic that I want more people to play and, and get into. But I just don't know if that audience exists. Um, and then you see things like Call of Duty, right, which I think this is kind of what is kind of fueling a lot of this, you know, um, activity is that Call of Duty is being thrown for, from mobile to console to esports, whatever, that they have some kind of halo effect that's really impacting their business. But what I'm trying to say is that that is very unique to Call of Duty and shooters versus looter shooters and other types of genres in general, Um and I do think Ubisoft should continue to invest in their IPs and, and, and focus. So I think this is actually a good move for Ubi. Whether it be successful is, is a question, but I think it is something they have to try regardless. Um, and I love the massive team. I met these guys at uh, E3 a few times, and uh, these guys are so fucking into the shit, right? They absolutely love this genre and this thing, and they've executed really well um, across the board, even though Division 2 didn't do as well as Division 1. Um, I, and again, I can't wait to play all these games. So um, Adam, as the expert in HD, free-to-play, ba 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 what do you think about this?
1: Uh, I would actually echo a lot of what you're saying, but I think there's there's still a lot of questions here, right? It sounds like these are two different games, right? There's a free-to-play mobile version, which is a completely different game than the free-to-play PC console version. Do you get the same yeah. sense? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. the developer here is not massive, it's Red Storm.
2: right? Right, the old team. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, right. So, um, what do you know? What they've actually made before? Redstorm?
2: I should know this because I actually looked at them when, I, dude. This oh, this, this, a this. A, this is the guys in Seattle, right? Or is it Virginia,
1: North Carolina?
2: Oh, same thing, North Carolina. So they made I looked the, at the
1: original division, bunch of Rainbow Six sieges. They've made yeah, yeah. Werewolves Within. <laughs> I don't know. This is a computer age. Um okay, so they've got some experience in the genre, but still fundamentally in HD. So um yeah. I'm wondering what their budgets are here, right? Like what their aspirations. Because yeah. um fundamentally this is as you said, right? This is this this genre actually shares more DNA with MMOs than it does with Call of Duty and PvP services, right? Exactly. Call of yeah, exactly. Duty Mobile is a PvP service. Division 2 is a PVE service, right? So what it takes to retain players in either type of service is vastly different, regardless of which platform we're talking about, HD or mobile, so very, very different. So when we talk about HD, of course, the fidelity requirements are gonna be much higher. So what I'm thinking is, like this is complete speculation by me, is the free-to-play PC HD version likely will end up more in the realm of like a horde shooter. Think of it like a vermin tide type of thing cuz i just don't see them saying let's look at division 2 let's make it free to play and then still have that insanely costly live cost of of maintaining all of that live content i don't know how they make that that work right mm-hmm. so then that all of a sudden drops my aspirations for that hd version of course Ew, this is complete yuck. yeah right complete complete speculation right but i don't know how they look at division and say let's just set it to be free to play and we solve the issue because you look at Destiny, Destiny went free to play, um, which ho- hopefully was a success for them. But ultimately it was it was the same way that an MMO goes free to play. They just make the first chapter free and then there's a pay gate and then you convert to the full game, right? Um, and then they mostly make their money off of driving players between every single expansion and cosmetics on top of that. Um, that doesn't sound like a fully scalable free to play live service. So um, my assumption here is that they're going for something lighter weight. Um, but fundamentally division as an IP is actually a great IP. Um, it's like the modern military setting with kind of this like combat tech idea. Division has a lot of legs and definitely deserves to be expanded upon. I hate the story, but sure. Build some comic books. I don't really care. Um, but still the it's, it's a very difficult IP to expand to live services on both HD and mobile. So. I pull yeah, a I, lot of your feedback there.
2: I, I, I totally agree with you. I don't even know how they do this on mobile, frankly. I mean, at least it's third person, but cover-based shooters on a mobile
1: device. like yeah. So I've actually played um, Division 2 on my phone because I'm one of those weird people that play like Steam remote play on the couch. You can't play this. Like, it's impossible. I know Again, it's a you, it's, you make it division two and like all the tiny little people on like the second floor you're, of the <laughs> dude, no way you're, you're
2: aiming with you're aiming with a sniper across the goddamn map, you
1: know, like you yeah. can't do that on mobile. That's ridiculous. And That's the style of game that they make, right? Like it, it's yeah. a cover based shooter that you have to kind of track all these and targets. That, on all they, would to, floors. they would have they would have they would have to dumb it down almost too much um yeah right so then are you talking about like an archero top down 2d no no way QC, no way no, come super on, come
2: division they, and then all of a sudden ubisoft erics. doesn't ubisoft doesn't know how to make mobile games like i mean come on let's be real all right um, but so, I think or they're going to work
1: on an idle minor division game right no, no, like no, no, no. now with their caliber games
2: <laughs> but now you know what you just you just like you took the wind out of my sails or the the I, air out of my I'm balloon just
1: speculating i'm looking with at your, your like
2: th- that free-to-play the thing that you're talking about for a free-to-play it looks it's terrible like I would never I don't want to play that shit you know like well, if, I, if, if, have a if,
1: if Ubisoft is bold here right which they have been in the past right they're doing <laughs> nfts now so of course they're bold um but maybe but it'll, any, it'll, anything
2: to get that stock price up <laughs> just throw nfts out
1: there uh complete speculation well, I'm surprised Unity maybe, maybe they're throwing NFT a yet. lot more money at this right maybe they're willing to put their money down nah. and say look let's nah. build a crazy like let's build a fully free-to-play MMO um, that can actually make enough revenue. Um, that's a f- super bold project. Um, and maybe Red Storm's like a studio to do that. But that that seems like a very, very tall mountain to climb.
2: Yeah, I mean, Red Storm is a pretty good studio. So, uh, and uh, But I, they're not a free-to-play studio by any stretch, right? And no. the free-to-play stuff on, on Division is very light. It's just basically uh,
1: um, season passes, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, All right, we'll, we'll see. This but, is going to be interesting. There's so little information here. This is no, but, but, but
2: again, on. this is a good case study, though, for, for Warner, to some degree, right, or any type of IP holders, like, you know,
1: Anybody, anybody who has console IP, right, and wants to figure yeah. out how to move it over, because it, right. there's not a lot of people that have strong PVP services that can make that transition as easily as COD did.
2: Um, I wonder if they just do Division 2 PVP
1: like they basically just basically
2: cuz the PvP I don't know if you play division that much but the PvP system mm-hmm. fucking sucks right like yeah. this whole dark idea zone is that, terrible yeah the dark zone the idea was interesting but it just never really materialized and they never really figured it out well maybe if they just do a straight PvP type thing pay to win mechanic if they did that that might be interesting <laughs> cuz you could you could get a small audience that would be spending lots of money right yeah like but that doesn't that doesn't scale the ip which is i think what
1: their ultimate goal is Yeah. So. And, and, know, but my theory on the dark zone is that pve players don't like to get shot in the head yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, like, I, like I, there's I'm different types them. of players right like you yeah, want to go a, in you want to get the best loot and you want to get the hell out right yeah I'm, the I'm PvP a, a total, element
2: is like uh, yeah i'm yeah. a total care bear when it comes to that shit. i fucking yeah, hated right? the dark zone so as soon as they so started stressful. putting the
1: best loot in the dark zone all your pve players are like get like fuck this i hate this get me out of here yeah, I'd rather get wrecked by a, like a ridiculously hardly balanced uh, boss than, you know, some 12 year old kid on the mic, right? Like just two different types of games, two different types of audiences.
0: Yeah, but cover shooters Anyways, really work as PvP. It's just, it, it doesn't, doesn't. Years work. of
1: War, man. Best PvP. <laughs> no, not at all. That was sarcasm. That was, that was okay. Canadian sarcasm. You have to hear the undertones. Yeah, you're,
2: you I'll not have undertones. Just saying, Adam.
1: Oh, okay. I think Thanks, like, Eric. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, right. let's let's call that. that that's the podcast. <laughs>
0: Thanks everybody for tuning. Send feedback. You know, all this it was great hearing everybody. See you next week. Cell tech. Yeah.
2: Bye, everybody. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I got to.